We're going to go ahead and dive in. And as you're turning today to 1 Kings chapter 18. Yeah, we're going OT today, Old Testament. 1 Kings chapter number 18. I want to set up our new, se- our, our, our new series called Seasons to you. And, and it all really started this past week as, as I was um, really praying through our 21 days of prayer and fasting and, 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 uh, and really ended up in the hospital for two days and, and really began to think through what God was doing and what God was trying to say. Uh, and, and really, um, um, it, the way that this has come about is, is I, I found myself, honestly, the night the night before I was in the hospital, I was down here with a group of people praying. And here's what I felt like the Lord said. I felt like the Lord said, Stephen, as we're closing this 21 days of prayer and fasting, we were seeing attacks from the enemy. But how many know when you really begin to press into the things of God, the enemy is going to come at you. But we have the victory, amen, so we don't fear. We're not, we're not fearful because, listen, we have the victory because of what Christ has done. So we're not fearful of any kind of resistance. But it's going to come. And I felt like the Lord says, Stephen, the enemy is, is really trying to, to distract and discourage, but don't waver because we, you, have the victory, This was Thursday night. Friday night, I found myself beginning two days of what I would consider hell on earth. And I thought it was interesting that as I was laying in the hospital bed and and feeling just so terrible and and, and really just saying, God, you know, we've been seeking your face and and we've been going before the throne for 21 days and and, and I found this this little bit of wavering in my heart. I'm just going to be honest with you. At this one point when I I went to the hospital, the the medication that they were trying to, to give me was not working and I was feeling terrible and there was this thought that came into my head that, that, that just said, God, where are you? Now, y'all have never asked that question before. Y'all never asked that question because y'all are saints, but I'm just trying to tell you that there was a moment of weakness where I looked up in pain and I said, God, where are you? Where are you right now? I thought you had my back. I've been doing things for you. Your turn. Come on, and we get that way, don't we? And things happen in our lives, and things don't go the way that we had thought that they would go and are not working out the way that we had planned. And we're tempted in seasons like this to say, God, where where are you? But one thing, as I settled in and faith rose up in me, one thing that I realized is that life and ministry is not made up of one trial or one victory or one season, but it's made up of a life of faith that says, I'm going to get through every season. I may not go around the season, but I'm going to get through the season. And ultimately, I knew that last weekend as I sat in the hospital bed and I called all of our leaders and I called my dad late Saturday and I said, I hope you got a sermon ready because you're up. Because it doesn't look like they're going to let me go home. And we had our A-team appreciation banquet in this room. And we served, our leaders served 150 volunteers that volunteer at this church every weekend. And I called my leaders and I said, I hope you guys got this. And let me tell you something, they had it. And it's so amazing. It's so amazing to be in a church where, 
where I, I, I can just be totally, you know, knocked out, if you will, and, and things just go so smooth, if not better than if I would have showed up. It really just shows that this is not all about me. This is about the collective church rising up and saying, listen, we're, I, I'm just as full of the spirit as Pastor Stephen or Joy, and we got this. And so I want to say thank you to all of our leaders, all of our volunteers who made that happen. But one thing I realized is that, you know, life is made up of seasons. Life, it is made up of a culmination of seasons. And if we don't understand how to navigate through those seasons, whatever they may be, it can throw us off track. And here's what, as we begin this series, I'm so excited. I felt like I just knew this was from the Lord, because here's what happens if we don't know how to navigate these seasons. We get stuck. It's interesting because the children of Israel were walking through the wilderness into the promised land, a six-day journey that took 40 years. Why? Because they got stuck. If you and I are not careful and we don't understand how to walk this thing through and live a life of faith, and this doesn't, listen, we're not always going to be on the mountaintop, church. Yeah, the view is beautiful. And, and, and when we're in there, we're going to talk about that in the next few weeks, but the mountaintop season is meant to create awe in us. Anybody ever been high up on a mountain and you pull your car over because it's just breathtaking and you look out and it's just like, <gasps> you don't even have to say anything. Come on. There's moments when the Lord shows up in your life and it takes your breath away. There's seasons where it just feels like the favor and the grace of God is just all upon you. There's purpose in that to stir awe in you. But how many of you know, if we're not careful, we don't realize it, but then we're going to step right down that mountain and into a valley. And if we're not prepared for the purpose in the mess, we're going to get stuck. And so I want to talk to you for the next few weeks about about seasons. It was interesting because uh, this week I had the privilege of preaching at a very big church in the area, and um, and it was amazing. And after I spoke, I I was able to, to, uh, I met the pastor and his wife of the church who showed me around, and man, they just were so gracious. And uh, and I met all the staff and and just walked and really got to hear how uh, the church started, and and they experienced so much growth. And, And I'll be honest with you, because you're this way too. They started to tell me about a a few years of struggle where the growth really wasn't there and and there was tension and he was talking about, you know, growing and going from a small church mentality to a bigger church and all of the the, the strain and all of the pressure. And there was something, don't, don't judge me for this, but there was something in me that was just enjoying hearing that. It's, I know it's weird, but you're the same way because you, the, the only movies you like are the movies where there's a tension. As a matter of fact, I heard years ago, I heard a, a preacher say, Stephen, if you want their attention, find the tension in the text. And so we like that, but why did I like that? Why? Because I love to hear stories of people who, who, who bared up under the struggle and said, you know what, I know it's not, we're not going to just be blowing and going and, and growth and man, everything's just amazing. We've got more money than we know what to do with and just every week. No, there's seasons that God brings us through. But I love to hear stories of men and women of God who said, but we walked through it. 
we walked through that season and we came out even stronger. And so many people look at success and they look at what God did in the blessing, but they don't realize the years of the soil that was tilled and the blisters on your finger from tilling that soil. But I like to hear that because I realize life is made up of seasons, isn't it? Life is made up of seasons, and I want us to journey together, and I want us to realize some things about seasons. Realize some things like this. What you do in this season is actually preparing you for your next season. You see, you need to understand that. Before we dive into our text, and and this is going to really thread its way through this series, you have to understand that you may be in a drought season, you may be in a mountaintop season, but the very very seed that you're throwing out in this season is is the very fruit that you're going to be pulling from in the next season. So be careful not to sow complaining and, 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 and just constant discouragement and constant doubt and constant, you see, because you're going to reap that fruit in your next season if you don't get stuck in that season because of your complaining. Hello? Can I talk real today? Listen, I've been out two weeks, so we're going, I'm coming at you today. <laughs> I'm coming today. But I'm excited. Why? Because God has some good things for us. God wants to grow us. God wants to build you. He wants to build your family. He wants to build this church. He wants us to make a difference. And you can't make a difference stuck in the wilderness. Come on. The mountaintops are are there to create awe. The valleys are there to create dependence upon the shepherd's voice. And the seasons of drought are there to create a dependence on the promise that was spoken. Seasons of drought when things are dry and, and you've got to go back because what you see is not matching up to what God said. And there's the tendency to begin to doubt God. And God is trying to build our faith to trust that even though what I see is not what he said, I can trust him because God is faithful and he's trying to build in us a dependency on his presence in the season of drought, which is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the dry season today, the season of drought. And I want you to go to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to look at the story of a man named Elijah. And um, Elijah is a prophet. And this is a season right now. And in this story, uh, it is in the midst of drought. He's in the middle of actually three years of no rain, and so water is very precious at this time, and they are in a tough place. As a matter of fact, Elijah has spent three years kind of running from Ahab and running really for his life, and and, and so now the word of the Lord comes to Elijah. And the word of the Lord in chapter 18, we're not going to read the whole story, but I'm going to just kind of, we're going to read a few verses. We're going to start in in verse 1 and 2 in chapter 18. Are you there? It says this, After many days the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. I want you to go to verse 30. We're going to skip down to verse 30, and we're going to read 
uh, about 15 verses. So buckle up. And I, I just want to kind of, uh, we need to see what begins to happen. So, so just to catch you up into verse 30, basically Elijah presents himself. He meets Ahab and he basically calls, he, he, he basically says, listen, uh, I want you to get all the prophets of Baal. And you see the reason for the drought is because Israel had, had gone into a season of rebellion. And so he says, I want you to get all the prophets of Baal, all of them. He just calls them all out. And he says, we're going to have a showdown. We're going to have a showdown. And you get your prophets, and I, since I'm the only prophet of the Lord left, and we're going to see whose God is God. And we're going to ask God to call fire down on our pile of wood. You put your pile of wood there. I put my pile of wood here. And when fire, whichever, whichever sacrifice or altar the fire consumes, let that be known that that is the true God. And this is what Elijah did. Kind of bold, didn't it? In the midst of a, of a season of drought. And so look at verse 30, it said, then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And and all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two seers of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces, laid it on the wood and said, fill four jars. This is actually buckets. It's actually fill four buckets with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And so they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And so they did it a third time. That's 12 buckets of water that they just poured on this wood. How many of you know he wants to make sure they know God is is a God of the miraculous? And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at that time of the of, of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, our God, and that you have turned their hearts back, and the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets. I want you to go down in verse 41. It's an interesting verse here. He says, Elijah then said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. And so Ahab went to eat and drink, and Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down to the earth and put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, oh, okay, go up now and look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. Somebody say nothing. That's encouraging, isn't it? There's nothing. And so Elijah said, um, 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 go again. Seven times he had to go, and at the seventh time he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up and say to Ahab, Prepare your chariot, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. Would you pray with me just for a moment? Father, we just ask right now in these next moments that you would come, that you would speak to every heart here, Lord God. No matter if they're in a dry season or a mountaintop season, no matter where we are in this moment, God, would your word just just come into our hearts and, and take root so that we can see fruit. Father, would you show up and speak only what you want said today in Jesus' name. 
And everybody said, I got three questions for you. Three questions from this text as it, as it deals with this season that Elijah finds himself in. This dry season, what, what, what does a dry season look like? Well, it can look like different things, but I'll tell you one thing it looks like is, is, is a season where, where the resources that you wish you had or are not really there, and you're, and you're struggling really just to make it, and water becomes precious to you, and the things of life that are most important become really important to you. It can look like a season of, of great pressure upon you. There's, there's a dryness in your life or in your family. And I've talked to many people even through these last weeks who find themselves in that very season right now. So I want to look at how Elijah dealt with this season. And I want to ask us together three questions as it relates to this season. And here's the first one as you're looking at verse 17 of chapter 18. Here's the first question. What is your faith in? I didn't say how much faith do you have, but I said, what is your faith in? As you're in this season, as you are in a season of pressure or things are not going the way that you wish they they were going, I'm going to ask us the question together. What's your faith in? It's interesting because verse 17, we see Elijah taunt Ahab. Well, actually, Ahab comes and says this in verse 17, is it you, you troubler of Israel? And then in Verse 18, Elijah says, and he answered, I've not troubled Israel, but you have and your father's house because you've abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. And then he says, therefore, gather all of Israel to the Mount of Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. And so here we see this boldness come over Elijah. It's so interesting. And here's what I want to say to us as it relates to our faith in this season. You see, Elijah's faith had nothing to do with the resources that he saw in the dry season. Let me explain this to you. If you go back to verse 1, it says this. After many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Elijah had a decision to make here, as do you and I when we find ourselves in pressing dry seasons. We automatically look for resources and weapons to fight against the resistance that we're feeling. But many times the drought season makes us see small. It makes us see small and we look around and we say, what do I have to work with in this season? And so then we try to muster up whatever we can find to go to battle in our dry season. But Elijah said, I'm not mustering anything up. I'm resting on the promise that God spoke in verses one and two when God said, now's the time I will send the rain. That was Elijah's confidence. And I just have to say that to you and I, is that many times when you are pressed down, you are the most tempted to not stand on the promises of God in that moment. And you are the most tempted to squeeze and gather what you're finding in this season. Seasons of drought cause you to focus inward. I love this because Elijah... He could have said, wait a minute, you're telling me to go and you're telling me to pick a fight with 450 prophets. But it's been dry for 
three years. God, I don't even understand how this is possible. And now you're, you're calling me to stand up against all of these people and address all of Israel and declare that you're God, but it doesn't look like you're God. Where have you been? It's dry. It's three years. I'm thirsty. And I don't really have a weapon to fight with right now. I feel tired. And you know, we have the same tendency when we're pressed down upon to begin to look inward and to begin to complain. But I want to tell us today that, that we cannot begin to pull from the weapons of our season. We have to resource from, 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 from the bank of heaven and say, God spoke and I believe it. Are you with me today? And we begin to stand on the promises of God. We swing the sword of God's faithfulness. It's not about what you can muster up. This is about standing on the promises of God. We stay focused on Jesus, not our struggle. I love this too because it's in this very moment that Ahab begins to taunt Elijah. How many of you have ever faced resistance from people? And people just start coming at you and speaking unbelief in your ear. Especially when you're at your, in your worst moments. When it feels like nothing is working and we're tempted, remember in this season, to say, God, where are you? Like you said this, I know, but I'm not seeing anything. And we have this, this tendency to begin to think small and we, and we begin to complain. And in these moments, the taunting of the enemy comes. The taunting of the enemy comes to your family. The taunting of the enemy comes to your spouse or to you. It's in these moments, church, that all I want to tell us in this first point is that we must rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I know it's old school, come on, but it's the only answer for us. That no matter what season we find ourselves in, I say, God, I thank you that I don't feel anything right now. I thank you. I, I know that I'm thirsty, but Lord, I know that the work is finished. I know that the cross was enough, and I'm going to stand on the finished work of what you already spoke over me. What is your faith in? Well, I love what happens next because if we... Go back to our text. What we're going to see is that he calls them out. And we have a showdown. We have an old-fashioned showdown. I wish I could have been there. Because you got everybody there. I mean, you got everyone there. And he just calls all the prophets out. He says, get everybody here. And I want you to build an altar. I want you to pile it with wood. And we're going to see whose God is real in this moment. And I love what happens because not only... Does he say, I want you to put wood, look what, it, look what happens next, look in verse 33, he says this, and he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood and he said, fill four buckets with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time until water was running all around the altar and filled the whole trench with water. Now, before I get to my second question, I asked myself the question this week, why did he do that? Why did the Lord lead him to do that? Well, the obvious answer is, is to make it 
so much more impossible for fire to consume. It would be so wet. Yes, that's the obvious answer. And then God spoke something into my spirit. And I felt like the Lord said, Stephen, I want you to put yourself in the situation of one of those Israelites when Elijah turned around and said, I want you to go fill up 12 buckets of water. And here's my second question to us today when we deal with dry season is what's in your hand? What's in your hand? You see, it's interesting because the very thing that God, that they were asking God for was the very thing they were tested in. Follow me for a moment. You're standing there. What is most precious in this season right now? What is most precious? Three years of no water. You're telling me that the rivers are flowing and that, that they just turn on the spigot and water. No, 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 no. Water is, 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 is their life source. And their life source. Elijah turns and says, I want you to pour out your life source right now in faith and dump it on this wood. I don't know about you, but I would have probably been there and I would have been on my like third or fourth bucket. And I'm like, it took me months to get this water. I don't think I can. I've already poured. God, I've already given a bucket. Is it one enough? And you're asking me for more. Come on. I just don't think I can give. Can we just settle maybe two buckets and let me have this one for my family? I know you said rain is coming, but I don't see rain right now. It's dry right now. We're thirsty. We need water to survive. God, I can't possibly, you could not possibly be asking me for another bucket of water. He said, do it another time. And then he said, I need four more buckets. And I don't know how much water was, was readily available at this point, but what I could consider is that maybe it was the very last drop of water that they had. And in faith, pouring it on the altar of the Lord, knowing that what God said, he will do. And I'm going to ask you the very question that God asked me this week. What's in your hand? Because what you hold is what you'll have. Let me say it this way. What you hold is all you'll have. But God can only multiply what you give him. Are you with me today? God can only multiply what you give him. In other words, this is what I was thinking this, this week, is that what you're holding on to is actually what's holding on to you. And it's quiet in here today. What we're holding on to actually reveals what our faith is really in. You see, it's easy to come to church, isn't it? And it's easy to say, oh, man, I believe in, in every season, in the good season. We're going to talk about the mountaintop season. We're going to talk. It's going to get positive, but can you hang with me today? Just smile at me or something. <laughs> this is going to help you. It's in the dry seasons that we have a tendency to grip. We have a tendency to say, oh, you can have, you can have this. I worked too hard for this. And I'm here to tell you that God can only multiply what you give him. We look at the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And I love this because 
What was needed was a miracle, no short of a miracle. And yet, here was a, a boy with five loaves and a few fish, and, and he says, and the d- disciples say, what is this among so many? And, and many of you are in that very place right now. What is this when I need so much to happen in my life right now, and all I have is this? And you're clinging on to that, man, I'm telling you. And I'm not talking about finance, I'm ta- whatever it may be. You're clinging on to that. You say, I work too hard for this. Or I don't, have, I don't have the time. What did Jesus say? Give me what you have. Give me what you have. And what happened? Jesus took what they had and he blessed it and he broke it and he multiplied it to feed the multitude. I'm here to tell you and me today that God spoke to me and said, Stephen, if you could get you and just a few people at Generation Church that might just have some crazy faith in the midst of a dry season to say, God, I trust you with everything I have. And I know I've been holding on to this thing real tight or my gift real tight or my time real tight, but I'm going to trust you with it and you do whatever you want to with it. It's yours. And you release what's been in your hand so that God can take it, bless it and multiply it. To feed a county. Come on, somebody. Come on. Ooh. Listen, we're asking God for revival, but we're clinging tight to everything he's ever given to us. Many times God is, we're saying, God, we're waiting on you. And God's saying, I'm waiting on you. No, but God, we're really waiting on you to move. I'm really waiting on you to move. Come on. Really wish you'd give me what I gave you in the first place. It's kind of mine anyways. But if you hold on to it, that's all you'll ever have. Come on, can I talk open to you just for a second? Some of you have been holding on to that gift, and that's all you've ever had, and you've never really given it over to God, and you've never really been able to see God work a miracle in your life and take you from here to here and grow your influence with the people at your job because you're quiet and you're holding it on. And God's saying, oh, I wish, I wish you would trust me with what you have. Is it faith? Yes, it's faith. There was still no rain. Man, if the cloud had come then, take all the buckets. We're about to fill them up anyway. But when you don't see the cloud, and God's saying, give me what's in your hand, it's a little different, isn't it? It's a little different then. And this is what I felt like the Lord was saying to me. Some of you have been asking for God's blessings, but your hands are full. And you say, I don't have time. I don't have strength. And here's what I feel like I need to say to you prophetically today. You do have time. You're just clinging on to it. Give him what you have. Give him what you have. Say, God, my life is yours. My family is yours. I've been, listen, I've been having, I've been having struggle with my kids the very thing they were praying for God to bring them is the very thing God was asking of them. Do you see that? Before the rain came, sacrifice was needed. 
And I'm just, man, I'm, I'm believing for revival. I'm asking God to move. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't start in Pinellas County. It starts with you. It starts with me. Oh, God says, before you ever dare to begin to, to, to ask for a move of the Spirit in this county, you better be asking for a move of the Spirit right here. Some of you need to draw a box around you and say, God, send revival right in this box. And then once it fills up, it's going to overflow. And then you draw another box around your family. And you say, God, let revival hit my family. Then you come to church and say, God, let revival hit Generation Church. Then revival hits this church. And then we just draw. And then we just say, God, let, let, let Pinellas County be saved. Come on, somebody. Let Pinellas County be saved. But I'm just here to tell you, it starts with you. It starts with you. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? What are you clinging on to? Listen, I think we're going to get a little positive here in a minute. Hang with me. The drought season, the dry season will make you rely on what's in your hand and not what God has spoken. And you begin to doubt, and you begin to say, God, I know you said that, and, and I know your word says this, and I know the promise of this verse, but man, when I look out, it sure is hot. I sure am thirsty. I'm day two in the, in the hospital, and they can't control what's happening in my body. And I'm like, Lord, I sure wish you would show up. I know you're faithful, but... It's seasons. And we're tempted to begin to complain then, and we're tempted to, to, to say things to God in the stress of the season. Our last, before we get to our last question, I just want to say this to you. You can trust him with what you have. I mean, this is not finance. This is, this is your life. You can trust him with your family. You can trust him with your children. You can trust him with your job. You can trust him with this church and your giftings and what God has blessed you with. You can trust him. As a matter of fact, I think he knows better what to do with it than you do. And he can't multiply what you don't give him. So what's in your hand? What's your faith in? What's in your hand? And let's finish up this story today. The last question is this. Can you trust what you hear over what you see? I want to remind us in verse or chapter number 18. And it says, after many days, the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. I will send rain upon the earth. Did you hear that? God is, has spoken, and, and some of you, God has spoken, and some of you have, have, have scriptures over on, on your fridge or, or, or some promises. Did you know? Let me just say this to you guys. This is two weeks from me not preaching. Just hang with me. Every promise in this book is true. I, they're, they're not awake yet. It's still early. Every promise that God has spoken over you through this book is true. Did you know that? See, they're awake. Y'all need some coffee. (laughs) 
Doesn't that sound good? But, but let's just be real though. What, what about the times when it doesn't seem like the promise is matching up? Is it easy then? In other words, you go to get a glass of water from your fridge and you see that verse. I can do all things through him who strengthens you. But then you, you, you pause and you see that verse and you say, man, I know that's, that's God's word right there. Then you look around. I got, I got a failing marriage. I got wayward kids. I just lost my job. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I'm battling this addiction. And I, 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 I know it says it's right there on my fridge. I even got one on my coffee mug. But it, it's hard to grab that right now in this season. It's hard to believe that. We're tempted to doubt. And I'm here to tell you through the prophet Elijah. It comes with sacrifice. It comes with saying, no matter what season comes our way, no matter what pressure hits our house or my life or this church, we will lean in on what God has already spoken. We will lean in on the promises that God has said. And I'm telling you, sometimes it's easier to trust what you see over what God's already said. Let's look what happens with Elijah. Verse 41, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. There's the sound. The, the, the visual wasn't there yet, by the way. In other words, there was no, he, he didn't see the cloud yet. God had spoken, and I think somehow, based upon maybe what God had already done and the past faithfulness and seeing God show up, and he's in this place now where it's like, yeah, that was cool then, but man, I need another miracle, God. Like, we need rain. Like, that trick right there where you, like, consume the wood and, like, even took the water with it. Like, now we really don't have water. And we need some rain. And I think in his spirit, he said, he went up, he went up on the mountain and he began to pray and he began to just, I think in his spirit, he, he heard the rain. He couldn't have physically heard it. It wasn't there yet. No cloud was there yet. And, and I think, I think that was tied to verse 1 and 2 where, where the promise was spoken and God says, I'm bringing the rain. I'm bringing the rain. Elijah, trust me. I'm bringing the rain. I'm going to do it. I know you don't see it right now, but I'm bringing the rain. So we had this promise. So we, Ahab went to eat and drink. Elijah went up to the top of the Mount Carmel. He bowed himself down to the earth. He put his face between his knees. He said to his servant, okay, okay, this is it. It's time. I, 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 think, I think the rain has got to be here by now. Go check, go check, go, 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 go check. The servant runs. <clears throat> hey, I'm, uh, Elijah. Elijah's like, did you see the big cloud? <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> um, no. Nah. We got nothing. What's Elijah's response then? Um, God, where are you right now? Okay, go check again. Just go, go get out, go check again. Goes to check again. Comes back. 
Seven times. At what point? Maybe the fourth does he just give up and does he say, man, I've had it. I know what you said, God, but this is crazy. He says, go check again, go check again, go check again. It's like Israel is marching around Jericho, day four, day five. Like at what point, if you're in that train, are you just saying, God, this is crazy. People are up there laughing at us. We don't even have weapons. They're mocking us right now. How many of them left? How many of day three, day four said, I'm out? Remember, what you hold on to is all you'll have. On the seventh day, he said, I want you to let a shout of victory out. Listen, a faith shout. In other words, it's typical of a shout that would have come after the victory. He told him to shout it staring at the wall. You talk about some faith. People starting to think you're a little crazy. I've had people tell me I'm a little crazy before. That's okay. I'm going into the promised land. I'm trusting in God's promises. You leave in day three, that's what you got. Have fun in the wilderness. God's promises are yes and amen. So what happens? He tells him to go again. Go, 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 go. Seventh time. Seventh Go. Here's what I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you today. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean God hasn't spoken it. Just because you you can't see it right now doesn't mean that God hasn't already done it in your life. I love that because he told the children of Israel, go and take the land that I have already given you. Oh, you don't see it yet, but it's yours. you're You're not walking in it, but your name's on it already. All it's gonna take from you is some faith and some praise. That's all you gotta do. I'll fight it for you, but you gotta trust me. Day four, oh, I can't, this is crazy, but I'm going to trust, I'm going to trust, I'm going to praise, I'm going to praise the fourth time. Go look again, go look again, go look again. I'm, I'm just here to tell somebody today, don't give up. It might be dry right now, don't give up. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean God hasn't spoken it. And I want to say this to you, this, oh, this is the part where the enemy loves to come in and say, I told you so. Oh, I told you so. How about years of of asking God for something? Years of, of asking for deliverance in an area. And the enemy slips in and says, I told you so. Oh, yeah, you're always going to struggle with that. You're always going to be broke. You're never going to get that job. You're always going to deal with that addiction. Don't raise your hand, but I know good and well. That's been spoken over many of you. And over time, you begin to believe it because it's what you see. Well, I messed up again. He must be right. The fifth time, he tells his servant, go look again for rain. It's not there, man. I'm sorry. Like, like, maybe, maybe, maybe we need to just go home. Like, come on, bro. It's getting kind of crazy. It's the fifth time I've gone to look. The enemy slips in. And begins to lie to you. And he begins to say, you're always going to deal with that. 
You're always going to deal with that. You're always going to be below. You're never going to do this. You're always going to do this. You're always going to struggle with this. And listen, I'm just here to tell you prophetically that, that God spoke to me to, to, to speak over somebody today. You're not stuck. Come on, just, uh, just receive this right now. You're not always going to struggle with that. That addiction is not just who you are. I'm talking to some lies, right? This, maybe I'm just talking in the spirit realm, so y'all just hang with me. You are not always going to struggle with that. God is for you even when you can't see him or feel him. You will see breakthrough if you'll hold on to faith. You will see breakthrough. Rain will come if you'll hold on and trust and believe and not let the enemy take your praise from you. That dream that he spoke over you will come to pass. I wish you guys could go back in time with me, 10 years. When my family moved here from the mission field. Probably a year and a half after that happened, my office was right back here where my dad's office is now. And there was a night that I was down here frustrated, no money in the bank struggling, car was breaking down, working a lot of hours, many jobs to try to put food on my family's table, frustrated. I was down here praying on my face, crying before the Lord, and I had a vision, and I just saw this altar right here. I mean, at the time, our church was much, 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 much smaller but I saw this altar full of people weeping and shouting before the Lord. And in my spirit, I began to see from this house little, little flames of fire shoot out over Pinellas County. And every fire that hit, there would be like this, it's like a coal. If it, if it, if it gets away from the fire and into some brush, what happens? It just it begins to consume that area. And I began to see little coals just go all over Pinellas County and begin to consume that area, consume that area, consume this area, consume that supermarket, consume that job office, consume that neighborhood, consume that school, consume that church, consume those people, consume that neighborhood. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, now we're beginning to see, we're beginning to hear the sound of rain. And I'm telling you, it's years of saying, God, I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to believe. I'm going to give you what I have. You can multiply it. And God is faithful over his word. God is faithful over what he spoke. God is faithful over every promise in this book. It's yes and amen. It's not, I hope so. It's yes and amen. It just takes faith. And I know that's simple, and I know we hear that a lot, but it's just the truth. Simple trust, reliance, in what God has already said and done. Get your faith in Jesus and off your circumstance. God can only use what you give him and trust his word over what you currently see because God is faithful. I love the end of this because seven times he goes and says there's nothing. He says go again seven times. And on verse 44, and at the seventh time, he said, behold, oh, behold, 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 a little cloud 
like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And that's all Elijah needed. He said, there it is. There it is. There it is. Go prepare for revival is coming, for the rain is coming. God's word is being, God's word is true. His faithfulness is true. Would you pray with me this morning? And I just want to pray over you, over your family, over your life. Just break some lies right now. And listen, if you've just been going through a difficult season, nobody's looking around. Would you just slip your hand up and allow me to prophetically just pray some things over your life right now? I just felt this week some, some lies had been believed. And so, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, God, I just, I just begin to break every single lie. Every single word that says you will never, I break it right now. And I say God's promise is true over you. Every dream that has been dormant, I break, I, I just breathe life into that dream right now. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would bring it to the surface, bring faith into this room right now. Allow people to see past their circumstance and into your faithfulness and trust that what you said is true. If it takes seven times, it's gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna go seven times. We're not gonna quit. We're not gonna be like those people who on the fourth time around the wall of Jericho probably just got tired and says, I'm out. No, 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 no. We believe. We trust. We say yes. And you and I together, Generation Church, are those little flames of fire that God is beginning to ignite. When the lies begin to fall and life and peace and, and, and the power of the Holy Spirit rises up in you, we will go out of here as flames of fire in Jesus' name. So, Father, I just pray that right now over this house. You've, you've destined this house for greatness because of your kingdom, because people need the hope of Jesus. Use us, God, in the marketplace. Use us at our jobs tomorrow. Use us. Let us burn for you, Lord Jesus. Let us have faith in the dry season. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.